Well, you've probably heard the old saying, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. The Christian life is more like a marathon. Some people start fast out of the gate, but they're nowhere to be found when it's all said and done. You know, you need to pace yourself, but ultimately it's about finishing the job, finishing strong, and hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. We're going to learn more about finishing the job in the book of Esther today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Now, how many of you have to admit that the bad guy at the end of the movie, when he falls off the building, or somebody gives him his just desserts, you're like, good, good for you. Fall and splat on the ground while you're at it. Wait a minute, are you a Christian? That's not a very Christian thing to think. But do you know that divine retribution is something that's coming to our planet? Do you know that Jesus Christ is going to come on a horse with a sword and he is going to deal with the rebellious, unbelieving world and that's yet future? He's coming again and he's going to deal with his enemies and the Bible does say that even his garments are going to be spattered with their blood. You know, I know in the West, in a modern culture like ours, it may not be the easiest thing to understand or take, but God is a God of justice. And his justice was satisfied against you and me at the cross, but at no low cost. Jesus Christ takes the wrath of God at Calvary so you don't have to. God is holy and just. And measure for measure retaliation. Now there's no mention in the next chapter, we get detail, there's no mention of children or women being killed. There's no mention of plundering their possessions. In fact, just the opposite. They don't take their possessions. But there is a verse in there where it gives a cumulative number of 75,000 people that die. And we don't know of that number, who they were. But the 75,000 people who die, this is chapter 9, verse 16, are people who hate the Jews. They're coming after them. They've taken this edict as a right to kill them. When our forces went to deal with Nazi Germany, for example, and we got involved in the war, why did we do that? We did that to stem the tide of evil. And there is just war theory that's been written about in Christianity. Such a thing as a just war. There is a time when a nation has to stand up against evil. Amen? There is a time when a group of Christians need to stand up against ridiculous abortion laws coming out of New York and other states. It's just tragic and ridiculous. And there's no other way to say it. Now, are people lost and ignorant and maybe don't understand the full issue? Of course. Do we preach a message of grace and hope and love for sinners just like us? Of course. But we do not stay silent in the face of evil. Jesus didn't, nor should we. But Jesus shows us what God's grace is all about when he takes the wrath upon himself. And this is where we need great wisdom. We need to understand that our God is holy and he's a God of justice, but he dealt with our sin at the cross. Would you turn to Romans one more time? Let me show you one more. Romans 5. 
And this is a, another glorious section, but I want to just read a little further than maybe sometimes we read. This is Romans 5. Look at verse 8. It says, But God, Romans 5, 8, demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. Much more than Romans 5, 9, having now been justified, declared innocent or righteous, before God, by his blood, we shall be saved from what? From the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult or rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. You see, we have been justified by his blood, verse 9, and saved from the wrath of God. This is what we preach. We preach a message of hope for people who have done unspeakable things. We say there's forgiveness for Saul of Tarsus who became Paul, David who murdered a man in the Old Testament, Moses killed somebody. I mean, look, some of our great heroes have risen from the ash heap of their own sin, and I would imagine you have too, I have. I'm, I'm glad that God is a God of grace and forgiveness. And so Haman is a good way to think about the way that this works. Haman's estate, his life, everything, it's happened to him just as he planned it to somebody else. Back to Esther 8. And so a copy of the edict uh, to be issued as law in each and every province was published to all the peoples so that the Jews should be ready for this day to avenge themselves on their enemies. So notice uh, Esther 8.13 does uh, affirm that it's a defensive posture. The couriers hastened and impelled by the king's command, some news is just too important to wait, even though they had eight months, went out riding on the royal steeds. You can see the authority, the power. You can picture a, a movie scene where the horses are galloping and the dust is flying up as they take off with the, the decrees to reverse this or to nullify it. And the decree was given out in Susa, the capital, the very place where the king had his headquarters. And so out they go, the royal steeds kicking up dirt, burning rubber, if you will, to go out with the king's command. And they spread the word. And then Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal robes of blue and white with a large crown of gold and a garment of fine linen and purple. And the city of Susa, when Mordecai came out after he had gone through his great makeover, because remember, it wasn't that long ago that he had sackcloth and ashes on. He was weeping and wailing in the middle of the city of Susa and all the Jews began to weep and wail. He tore his clothes. Now he's dressed to the nines. He's dressed like royalty. He's dressed for success. And out he walks, probably chest a little bit out, flowing gowns. He, in many ways, is a, one writer has it as the reflecting the art of the empire uh, chapter 1, verse 6, clothed with the richness that paralleled the decorations at the king's great feast in chapter 1, especially verse 6. You could hear the music as he walks out, man. Yeah, maybe, how many of you remember Cool in the Gang? Remember Cool in the Gang? 
celebrate good times. Come on. Right? It's a celebration. I think Morty was coming out a little bit like, yeah. Hey, do you know it's okay to celebrate as a Christian? In fact, you and I should be celebrating every day. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. You know where Paul wrote that from? Prison. What? Yeah, Paul was in prison. <laughs> Do you remember when they were uh, imprisoned in um, the Philippian jail and they began singing hymns at midnight and the Lord shook open the prison gates? Do you know that joy is the second fruit of the Spirit? For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Do you know that joy, uh, Donald Gray Barnhouse said that joy is love singing. Can I, can I ask you a question? Well, that was cool. Everybody said, do that again. Oh. I've shared that at many weddings, and I've never got that before. I waited for it. Nothing. It's a mixed multitude at weddings. <laughs> anyway. Can I ask you, how are you doing with joy? You know, sometimes I have to ask the Lord to make me joyful. I have so much to be joyous about, but sometimes, anybody else battle with this? Maybe a little negativity, maybe a little, oh, I gotta get, I gotta get this done today. I, my car, I gotta wash my car. The other car hasn't been washed. I'm gonna take this one and I gotta wash. I gotta put gas in it. Cause the last person that drove this had put gas in it. And then you go, wait a minute. I have a car, I have a second car. I have money to put gas in my car, and I'm whining about, I gotta put gas on that. We have issues, people. <laughs> That's a, a nice way to say we're a bunch of sinners. But issues sounds nicer. Can you be in the fifth century city of Susa and rejoicing that Mordecai came out dressed nicely? opposite of what it was before, even though you still got problems and you're still technically a, a person who's in a foreign country, not in your homeland, and probably not in the best of situations. You might even be a slave to the Persian Empire. And yet, the city of Susa, they shouted and rejoiced. They went from fasting to feasting. For the Jews, there was light. Light is a way to say happiness or hope. And gladness and joy and honor. When Mordecai came out in the royal robes, they were like, oh yeah, it's a new day in the kingdom. Because another decree of life has gone out. Haman's dead. Ding dong, Haman is dead. The wicked old Haman. Thank you, Michelle. I'm glad you're here. That shows up on the recordings and people actually think I'm funny. So thank you for that. I'll pay you later. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Did you know God's name is not mentioned once in the book of Esther, but his fingerprints are all over it? The famous verse, and who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this, tells us that Mordecai sensed God moving in the darkest of times. This is a story about ordinary, everyday people taking a stand and becoming vessels through which God saved a nation. The story is filled with satire and seriousness, but it ends with celebration as God turns things around for good as only He can. Get your copy of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching of the entire book of Esther for such a time as this. Yours as a thank you for your financial gift of $30 or more to Walk in Truth. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. We understand that time can really get away from you. The day-to-day hustle can sometimes leave little time for the more important things in life, like Bible study. Remember that Pastor Michael's teachings can be heard at any time, day or night, on walkintruth.com. You don't have to worry that you have to get out of the car right now, because today's teaching is already online, ready for you to listen when it's most convenient for you. Visit walkintruth.com today to hear all the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Can you be in the 5th century city of Susa and rejoicing that Mordecai came out dressed nicely, opposite of what it was before, even though you still got problems and you're still technically a, a person who's in a foreign country, not in your homeland, and probably not in the best of situations. You might even be a slave to the Persian Empire. And yet, the city of Susa, they shouted and rejoiced. They went from fasting to feasting. For the Jews, there was light. Light is a way to say happiness or hope. And gladness and joy and honor. When Mordecai came out in the royal robes, they were like, oh yeah, it's a new day in the kingdom. Because another decree of life has gone out. Haman's dead. Ding dong, Haman is dead. The wicked old Haman. (laughs) Thank you, Michelle. I'm glad you're here. That shows up on the recordings and people actually think I'm funny. So thank you for that. I'll pay you later. Anyway. In chapter 4, verse 1, Mordecai had gone out into the city with torn clothes, sackcloth, and ashes, with wailing and bitterness. And now, look at the language. It's beautiful. There's light, 16, gladness, joy, and honor. This is uh, chapter 4, verse 3. Take a peek with me. This is a direct opposite of what was going on when the edict of death had gone out from Haman. In each and every province, 4-3, where the command and decree of the king came, there was mourning, great mourning among the Jews. There was fasting, weeping, wailing. Many lay on sackcloth and ashes. Now flip right over to 8 and look at back at 16. Instead now, there is shouting, end of 15, rejoicing. There's light or hope or happiness, gladness, joy, and honor. This is a divine reversal. This is the Lord giving us uh, praise, a garland of praise instead of ashes. Jesus has come to bring hope, to preach good news to the downtrodden, 
to open the prison doors. To those who dwelt in darkness, they have seen a great light. When the angel proclaimed in Luke chapter 2 the coming of the Messiah, he said, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Amen? See, Jesus Christ was coming from the Jewish people. Maybe this is a foretaste of the coming kingdom where there's going to be light and hope. And it's going to be really uh, that core of us. And in each and every province, final verse, and in each and every city, wherever the king's commandment, 817, and his decree arrived, there was gladness and joy for the Jews a feast and a holiday. And many among the peoples of the land became Jews for the, for the dread of the Jews had fallen on them. You want to talk about a divine reversal? The last thing you wanted to be was a Jew in the Persian Empire. This edict had been around for a couple of months. There's no way that you wanted to, you didn't do that ancestry test, nothing. <laughs> right? I don't find out if I have a little bit of Jewishness in me because I'm going to visit the Holy Land. Nobody did that. If you had a tinge of that, you tried to distance yourself from it because there was a decree of death on you. Now, God has so turned things around that people want to convert to Judaism. That is God. And when people see the light and the hope that is in our lives, that's part of the reason they want to convert to Christ. They want to be part of the people of God because they see in us the hope of glory the Lord Jesus Christ. In each and every city where there are Christians, where the church builds a little building, whether it's a hut or a big building, whether there's a small congregation or a big one, the light of the gospel goes out and people find hope because Jesus Christ is our hope. Amen? This is the message that we proclaim to a lost and dying world. And knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men because we want people to join the community of life and to find hope and light in Jesus. I'm going to take you to a final section. It's in 2 Timothy 4. You all know that um, from the book of Esther comes the holiday called Purim. We're seeing it, uh, 2 Timothy 4. Uh, we'll get more about it as we close the book, 2 Timothy chapter 4. But the Feast of Purim comes out of the book of Esther. Do you know something? So get this. So I, I was praying about the next book to teach on a Wednesday night. And uh, as I sought the Lord, you know, it's never a perfect science, but I just had this sense that we should go to Esther. And so um, there's certain books that, you know, I've taught a lot of the books of the Bible, but uh, Esther I taught once many years ago and I wanted to teach it again. So I, I teach the book of Esther and I'm sitting with a young lady and we're t we're, she noticed that there was a commentary on the book of Esther and she goes, oh, you know, the Feast of Purim's coming up. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, March. Yeah, the Feast of Purim's coming up in March. And so, so get this. So I begin to look at my calendar and I begin to see, okay, when's the Feast of Purim going to happen and how many messages do we have until the feast? So do you know, now this is not perfect, but usually I take a Wednesday night off and we have a guest speaker speak. So if that happens, the last study we'll do in the book of Esther 
will fall on the Feast of Purim. The very night it falls on a Wednesday night. And I'm not that smart. <laughs> nor can I count that good. And I started going, huh? Huh? <laughs> That's a loose way of saying, wow, God, you're big. All right. <laughs> 2 Timothy 4, 1. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead at his, uh, by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Re reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. Will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, Timothy, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Think of the book of Esther. Do the work of an evangelist. Finish. Fulfill your ministry. To the glory of God. Father, we thank you so much that we have this incredible little gem in the Bible called the book of Esther. And I can't help but think of the Hebrew name of Esther. Her name is Hadassah, the myrtle tree. And boy, how she bloomed in the book. She came, became more bold, more wise. Every step of boldness she, she took, it seems you made her a little bit more bold. And she bore abundant and abiding fruit that still lives today. And just as Haman's evil plot rippled out and had to be dealt with even though he was dead, though Esther has long died and Mordecai too, her testimony lives. And I pray that you'll help us in our generation never to grow weary in doing good. For we will reap in due time. We will reap a harvest of reward, but there will also be a harvest of fruit to follow. We don't know what that all looks like, but as we are faithful, you do the rest, Lord. And so I pray over this precious group tonight. I know they're hungry for your word. They've been walking through the book of Esther, and it's been a wonderful journey. May you bless them. May you keep them. May you multiply fruit in their lives. May your beautiful face shine on them, and may you give them peace. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you're listening to my voice and you've not met him, you have a decree of death upon you, my friend. And the only way it can be revoked and nullified is through applying what Jesus did at the cross and through the resurrection. Would you trust him? You know, sometimes when we hear a decree of death, we can almost say like, really? We can recoil from that. But you know what? That's the Bible's declaration that we are dead in sins and trespasses, that our sins have separated us from God, and God will judge sin. But God is so good that he sent his only son to become sin for us, that in him we become the righteousness of God. So I pray that you would trust in Jesus Christ today. He's the only one that can save you from the decree of death, because by his death, he died in your place.
the just for the unjust, to bring you to God. So would you trust in him today? Would you say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. Save me. I turn from my sin and I place my trust in you. And if you're already a Christian, this is a great time just to give thanks to God for your salvation and share it with other people. Well, just so you know, this Thursday, May 2nd, is the National Day of Prayer. I think it's a great thing that we have this day to come together in prayer. It's an important time to petition God on behalf of our nation. And I hope you and your church will be participating in the National Day of Prayer. I know there's events going on everywhere. Please don't take it lightly. Get involved. Rally some people at work, at your school, at church, whatever it may be. Get on the web, find out events that are going on in your area, and get involved. Let's seek the Lord together. Well, if you're not quite sure what to pray about on this important day, we have some suggestions on our homepage at walkintruth.com. You can see details on praying for America, praying that we'll love one another, praying for the church in the country, praying for families and workplaces, communities, and much, much more. So if you'd like to check out our suggestions on what to pray about on the National Day of Prayer, please visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Well, again, I want to thank you for listening today. I'm Pastor Michael Lance. And tomorrow, we're going to begin a teaching in Esther chapter 9 called A Divine Reversal. We're coming towards the end of this series, this incredible book of Esther, and it's been teaching us a lot. I look forward to meeting with you tomorrow in the book of Esther. Until then, God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.